0: our second last episode of Trash and Treasury for the season.
1: (laughs) where Grace and Miranda. Yeah, I cannot believe where this season has gone. It's just flown by. Um, So that's right. Second last episode before we take a little break. But for today's Treasury, we're going to be talking about a musical that, as regular listeners will know, we're both obsessed (laughs) with. It's Come From Away a beautiful Canadian story about September 11 and the days that followed. It was so good. And
0: I gushed so much last week already. So I won't gush anymore in the intro. I'll wait till (laughs) we get to it. (laughs) And in addition to Come From Away, we are talking some survival stories. So this is a trash show that I love called I Shouldn't Be Alive which I have Mm. recommended on this podcast and it's a reenactment documentary style TV series but it's a bit you know over the top essentially about real survival stories of people who have been in extraordinary situations and they're just the best and I need more people to watch it I need more people to love it and yeah I can't wait
1: to tell you grace some of the best Mm -hmm. stories that i've heard so far (laughs) i'm very intrigued and then as always we'll be giving you some recommendations as well as letting you know what hills we're willing to die on this week but first let's get to treasury Come From Away has just finished its Melbourne run in theatre. It is a story that is based on thousands of real stories of people in a small town in Canada who, when on September 11th the airspace was closed after the planes hit the Twin Towers, all of the other planes that were already on the air doing flights weren't allowed to land in America and they had to land somewhere. And they all landed in this very small little town, Newfoundland and Gander and the surrounding towns. And it's basically a very unlikely premise for a musical that it's about how the community prepared and welcomed them and cared for them. And it's basically set over five days. And anyone I've talked to about this that isn't familiar with it is like, how could that even be a musical? That's such a random premise. But
0: that's exactly what I thought. It works. What the hell? And also, I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to answer this question for me, but my one of my first thoughts was, who the hell thought to turn that into a musical? Like what yeah. possessed someone to be like, hey, I know what I should do with this. I should turn this into a musical. Like it's a pretty heavy topic as well, but it's beautiful. Um, But there's lots of themes of, you know, racism that came Mm. out of the September 11 tragedy and that comes into it as well because so many different cultures land on this random island and all have to, Mm. um, you know, cohabitate and people are on the very, very edge of, just
1: realising what's happened. And so it just, it's incredible. It's true. There is, they do deal with the Islamophobia um, well. And I mean, it's a heavy musical, but it's also, it isn't. Like it's got so much joy. It's incredibly light. Yeah. Ultimately a beautiful story. And I've also heard it said that it's not a musical about September 11th. It's a musical about September 12th, 13th, 14th and 15th. And you know what happens in the aftermath of tragedy when communities come together to support each other
0: it's beautiful and i just there is something really cool about this being a true story because mm. it's a true story that nobody really knows about and i think it is amazing to know that you know one of the things that i took away from it was the plain scenes at the very beginning yeah when all these planes land on the island and, you know, all the actors play multiple different characters and they yep. just, you know, in, you know, absolute admirable unison switch costumes in an instant. And um, they yeah. just are so believable as all their different characters and them being on the plane, being stuck on all the, on the tarmac, you know, and I wouldn't have even thought about
1: mm. the
0: logistics of that, but there are so many people and how many people landed on that island? Was it? 5,000 people? Yeah,
1: I think 5,000 when they had a population of 7,000. So it basically doubled overnight, the population of the town. And there's like
0: nowhere for them to stay and everything. And then, um, you know, the fact that there's animals on these plains who need water and food and there's nowhere for them to go and they're preparing and they're like, where can we put them? Schools, you know, scout halls, where can we put them? Like where can we put these people up? And everyone just rallied.
1: And it was just so beautiful. It is beautiful. And so, yeah, you pointed out that the actors play multiple characters. So they're basically telling two different stories of two different groups of people. They're talking about the people who were on the planes who were planning to go to glamorous places like New York and suddenly find themselves in this backwards Canadian town and are like, what is going on? And then it's also the story about the people that live in that town and how they deal with what is happening as well. And so there's 12 actors in the play and everyone is in every scene, but everyone plays like two or three characters each.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's really So awesome. cool.
1: Yeah. So in terms of your question, like who even thought to make this into a musical? So where the idea came from was I think like, a few people knew about, you know, that like planes had been diverted to this town. It was like a little bit of a story, but only really in Canada.
0: It was probably a bit of a, you know, a fluff story um, of yep. positive positivity in what was a global, you know, phenomenon like, you know, this the September 11 tragedy took over everyone's televisions across the world. And of yep. course, there was probably not much airtime left for what was happening
1: in Ghana exactly
0: which is why the story is only being told now exactly. kind of thing
1: so the people that wrote the story and music and lyrics for the musical are a little husband and wife duo called irene sankoff and david hein and basically like people did know a little bit about this story um it was kind of like yeah you know urban legend and kind of a special thing, and they heard that everyone was going back for the 10-year anniversary in 2011. You know, these people that had gone through this really tough time 10 years earlier but had formed these friendships were all going back to celebrate. And this is actually depicted in the musical that they all go back in 2011. So these musical creators go too and they interviewed – thousands of people and recorded all the interviews so on that trip they recorded thousands and thousands of hours of interviews and they turned all of those stories into the play so everything that happens in the musical is real some of (laughs) it is kind of summarized and merged together so for example the character Beulah Davis is based on two real women, one whose first name is Beulah and one whose last name is Davis, and they've sort of merged them together to, you know, streamline the story a bit. But every single, like, all of the the dialogue, it's all based on real things people told them in these interviews. Right. They interviewed both the locals of this town as well as the people that, you know, arrived there on planes. And so many of the stories yeah seem like something out of a musical like people falling in love that met on the planes nick and diane completely true
0: yeah that was so beautiful and i thought how random i thought could it be an injection of just romantic comedy and i thought no No, like this is a random situation that would throw two random people together and like in a such a situation you know where it's kind of stressful and you've got this one ally like I, i can see how a bond would form out of that
1: yeah, and just the beautiful friendships as well, and totally it was so sweet. unlikely friendships. Yeah, and also the woman who plays the pilot, Captain Beverly Bass, is like a real pioneer for women in aviation, and she was the first um, American Airlines female captain. And there's a song about that. And the oh, real nice. Beverly Bass, love has come from away so much, she's seen it over a hundred times. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like she just loves it and she's like, "I've seen it once. You've seen
0: it 3 times." Could you imagine if one of the characters was based on us Grace? We would be like at every single damn performance.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she's traveled all around the world like she came and watched it when it started in Melbourne. Really in so she wants to see it like where it where it started. Yeah, kind she of likes thing. to see all of the actors and um because they're playing real people and it's a contemporary musical, you know, the actors have met the real people and that's really come into their performances as well. Um, How strange. Because you, like, you, it's true stories, you know. I can't think of a musical
0: quite like this where there is, yeah, as you say, um, contemporary for one, so all the people are still alive and relatively the same age, like within 10 yeah. to 20 years, you know. Yeah. Just also a musical about a true story.
1: Yeah, yeah. The songs are just incredible. As we discussed at length last week, the songs are Irish. Oh, my God, the music.
0: Everyone in this town is Irish. You need to explain, Grace, to the people,
1: why is everybody Irish in Canada? Basically, it's to do with colonialism and white people from the British Isles coming across to the Americas. For some reason, just a lot of Irish people settled in this part of Canada. So, they do have, like, a lot of Irish ancestry, and they have, like, their own sort of dialect as well, like Newfoundland. Um, But yes, it's very, very Celtic-inspired. And the most cute thing about um, the town, so again, they streamlined the musical to pretend it was kind of in the one town, but they do explain, and there's scenes in buses, like it actually, Newfoundland's the island. The main town was Gander, which is where the airport is, but then it was also in lots of nearby towns as well. that all helped out. Um, And Gander, all of the roads in Gander are shaped like the head of a goose. No. Yes. (laughs) Which I think is just like sums it up. Like they're just this like quirky little beautiful town. That is
0: brilliant. So you're telling me that a town planner. Yes. In the ye old days sat down and said, I'm going to build a
1: town with roads in the shape of a goose's head. Yes, because the town's called Gander and like geese and gander. So instead of like a oh grid, God, like Melbourne what's good CBD, for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, I've never understood that saying until <laughs> no, I, mean, I still now. don't understand that saying.
0: <laughs> I guess like what's good for one is good for all. Is that yeah? Is that what it means? A gander of geese?
1: No, it's a gaggle of geese. What am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. Look, we'll have to. Yeah, I don't know either. But I, I do know that it. adorable fact. Anyway, um, it's adorable. <laughs> and <laughs> so. When the creators, Irene and David, made this musical, like, no one thought it would be successful. They basically were like, look, we think this is a beautiful story and, like, we do want to make this musical and maybe it'll become, like, popular in Canadian high schools to do it as their, like, high school musical for a bit of Canadian pride, this, like, quirky story, but... The themes it of it. A are so, phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. The themes are so universal that it just like, yep. Became huge because it's got so much heart. And like I was a bit put off by the whole premise as well before I'd seen it. I was like, mm, it's weird. So kind but of it's kinda boring. But then it's
0: when you realise, you're like, What? A bunch of planes, they land on an island. And you're like, Oh, is that what it's about? But it's mm. so magical. It's so magical to watch and the way that they perform in sync and move so quickly and it's so well-crafted. I would really love to know. I'm not sure if you know who these people are, but
1: I'd love to know who wrote the music. and The same people that wrote the story, Irene and David. What? Yeah. Did they like the tunes as well, like the Irish Celtic-inspired music? Yeah, as far as I know, yes.
0: Holy crap.
1: Yeah, they've they done musicals talented. before. So they're musicians. And what else have they done? Anything of note? <sighs> something called My Mum's Wiccan Lesbian Wedding or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only other thing they're known for. Sorry, okay. My Mother's Lesbian Jewish Wiccan Wedding from okay. 2009. Yeah. That sounds amazing.
0: Amazing. <laughs> yeah. We need that immediately. We can do a segment on that next season. They should write that on every freaking public publicity thing that they do from the creators of my what? My mother's...
1: My mother's lesbian lesbian Jewish Wiccan Wiccan wedding.
0: wedding. (laughs) Wiccan. What a throw. Like, don't hear about many
1: Wiccans these days, so
0: yeah pretty interesting and that, to that is
1: also based on a true story so they like to base things on truth these guys are just couple girls. like I'm yeah. sorry
0: what amazing stories so amazing
1: and so, so um, talented what a about another goal. story in it that's true is Bonnie from the RSPCA so it was true yeah. that They basically were just trying to agitate for someone to take seriously the fact that someone needs to check the manuscripts for if there's any animals in these planes. And, you know, in 38 planes going internationally, there's bound to be. And so, yes, they found, like, nine cats and dogs and it's true that there was two bonobo chimpanzees as well. Which is
0: just crazy. It's just crazy. And then she was pregnant and then the baby died
1: and oh yeah it was so sad I, I will say Bonnie's uh reaction to the chimpanzee's miscarriage was very unempathetic and very rude I've watched it three times and every time I watch it I'm like that is so rude I what? don't know if I you can't remember. remember how she reacts she's like I'm so sorry you lost your baby I've got three of my own and they're more trouble than they're worth some days it's like <laughs> that is so rude that yeah. is so unempathetic
0: <laughs> I guess. I mean, she's still like the cutest, though. Like, she was such a beautiful character. She was a beautiful character, I and she's how, yeah, she's a real person. I loved how she was just like, you know, everyone's saying that there's no animals, and she's like, there's obviously animals on this plane. Let me in, you know, and she just goes in and finds them, and she like but gave the them sk- more water, yeah. and they all needed water and food. They've been stuck in this airplane, and no one's thinking about their welfare. It's like,
1: and they Jesus, fasted some- them before they flew. So they're really and hungry. They
0: starved them, yeah, before they flew so they don't throw up and stuff. And, oh, but what just- they
1: said to her was like, you can't go in there. Like we've been told all planes need to be treated as a bomb threat. Like you can imagine how scary it would have been to work at an airport. And one thing that they say Absolutely. in the musical. Absolutely, it would have been terrifying. It would have been so scary. One thing they say in the musical, people are like, oh, why aren't they taking these planes to Toronto? And the mayor says, because if something goes wrong, we've got less people to lose on our little island. Yeah, that was so So they were kind of sacrificing themselves and not knowing what might happen.
0: And it was interesting because when he said that line in the play, I thought obviously, you know, that's what people were thinking in real life. Totally. And not only that, but knowing that straight up, like why are all these planes coming here? And then he finally explains that that's clearly the reason why. But it's his Mm. town and it's their responsibility now and there's all these human lives there and mm-hmm. animal lives and they've just got to take care of everybody and despite the fact that every plane is now a bomb threat, they've got to do what they've got to do and they just sucked it up and they just they just felt, you know, they empathised and you're right, it would have been terrifying to go under the cabin, you know, and search mm. through the bags for the animals in case there was another – some sort of explosive like they had no idea that it was Mm. you know terrorists at this point or what the hell was going on well they knew that the planes were exploded and
1: yeah you know they just had no idea what was going on Mm. and the response of the town is what the story is about like they went out of their way to be such a beautiful welcoming place that the story ends up kind of being about the plane people having all these conflicted emotions because They're like, this was actually like a beautiful three days. I don't know how to feel like, you know, people are asking if I was okay when I was stranded in that town, but I don't know how to tell them I was so much more than okay. Like we found something, like we lost something, but we found something else together.
0: Yeah. Oh, it just was so beautiful. (laughs) Like it was really, really heartfelt, really well done. The dialogue was funny and witty, and the music was gorgeous, and just I just loved everything about it. I also really loved one of my favorite stories was um, the Muslim man who was mm-hmm. trying to help out. He's like, "I want to help you guys with the food," and they're like, "No, no, no, we'll You're do our the guest. food." You're you our guest. Yeah, you, you know, We've got it. And I felt like they were being Islamophobic as well at times, even I in Gander. I think yeah. Even in Gander in this beautiful, welcoming town, they still had their gut up a little bit because of what well, had happened. Also, we're all, like, white
1: people. They're, all like, all white people. other religions, yeah. We've got, like... Mm, christians catholics and yeah exactly um (laughs) something else (laughs) literally a representation of of ireland and um, yeah exactly yeah
0: so that was interesting and then you know obviously at the end he's like oh my god let me help you with the goddamn food he's like i'm Mm. a world-class chef i work in hotels i you know prepare food for mass amounts of people like all the time let me help you and she's like Mm. get in the kitchen and Mm. stuff and it's kind of like, oh, look, she's looking past his Islamophobia but the only thing I didn't like was at the end how he wrote a thank you letter. That's what my sister said afterwards as well. She's like, I did not like that. I thought mm. they needed to thank him because I don't know why on earth he would thank them when he was clearly being shunned for being Muslim And he was a highly skilled individual offering to help and they wouldn't accept his help, not because he was capable, but because he was Muslim. And I don't know. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I wonder if what they were trying to express was that they were just being good hosts. But what I picked up from it was that they were being Islamophobic.
1: I think it was the latter. I think they were trying to show the complexities and nuance of the fact that the town didn't get it right from the start they're not perfect yeah
0: look all round beautiful beautiful show thank you so much for dragging me there I loved it I loved it and I'm so sad I got there so late in the game that I could only say it once
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. so look we've gone heavy on the spoilers because it's left Melbourne we know from our stats most of our listeners are Melbourne based so yeah you're gonna need to wait for it to come spoilers
0: aren't really a thing for musicals you
1: know Usually, you know what the ending is. <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much guess the ending. Yeah, <laughs> Usually. But no, it is amazing. And um, listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is beautiful as well. I know all the words and it's a great soundtrack for the shower and or car. Get it in your life. Get it in your ears. Get it in your heart.
0: Yeah.
1: And speaking of getting
0: positives out of some serious negatives, let's talk I Shouldn't Be Alive.
1: <laughs> Okay, (laughs) let's do it.
0: (laughs) So, finally, (laughs) I get to talk about my trashy show that nobody seems to know about except for (laughs) the one and only Rosie Waterland, my idol, um, because I was planning on this episode. I've been obsessed with this show for some time now. And she beat me to the punch on one of the Just the Gist episodes. They recapped episode one of season one, which was a pretty epic survival story on a boat. So
1: I did hear that (laughs) as I do listen to Just the Gist as well. So are you yeah, you to tell me that story again?
0: <laughs> All I'm trying to say is I thought of it first and we're not copying. Um,
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but also
0: they did an amazing rendition of that and it was very, very funny. But I won't be recapping that one. However, I did just before this recording go through the episodes just to kind of recap where the, some of my favorite episodes occurred and, you know, what they were called and things because they always have crazy names like trapped in a canyon nightmare canyon (laughs) slip and fall into a canyon (laughs) it's just like you know ocean survival but it's like literally they all have the same name and so it was really Mm. hard to
1: figure out which ones I'd watched and which ones I hadn't watched (laughs) so are they all kind of like in nature or are there any that's like fell over in an office building no (laughs) <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh H&S issue.
0: Oh H&S issue, gone very very wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't be alive. <laughs> the paper cut of death. Um, no, no. So they yes, they're all like wilderness remote s- yeah. survival stories. Okay. Yeah. Um, I suppose there are a couple that like. There's one or two that are about kidnapping. Um, Jeez. but predominantly they're environmental survival story so usually people getting lost um but I like to um the thing that I love about this show is that I get to choose my own adventure like when I put on the show I'm like oh, what am I feeling tonight you know am I feeling an ocean survival thing or am I feeling a like canyon <laughs> am I feeling a canyon today or am I feeling like an wow. ocean and I'm often feeling the ocean I just oh it, the ocean's so scary and I just
1: wow. find it so terrifying I, wa- mm. I wonder what that says about you psychologically I know There's something well, there about Yeah,
0: well, Mm. I think that you just want to like – the thing that you're most scared of, you kind of want to watch because it thrills you because you just think, mm-hmm. oh, my God, imagine if I was in that situation and thank God I'm not and thank God I'm cosy in my bed. Like I think that's what I love about it too. Totally. <laughs> it's like there's nothing better than um, that other show that I've recommended previously called Alone, um, which is not mm. not like this because they are going out to survive. And That's a reality series. That's a reality, produced, yeah, series. Not yeah, accidental. Competition. And... I love when they're really starving and I watch them while I'm eating my warm dinner. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so horrible. But it's so true. It's just like, it's just kind of there's something so enticing about like watching other people surviving and stuff while you're like cozy and warm. It's like, wow. yeah, yeah. It's probably someone should uh, do a study on that. Um- <laughs> totally. wow. So I will be beginning with an, african desert survival story no so, ocean or canyon okay well that's uh, yeah we're going to get there so okay we're beginning with the jaws of death and Great. so this is a hippo? story <laughs> the hippo look there are hippos but um not immediately visible in the video so this is a conservationist who flies helicopters around zimbabwe looking for rhinos and okay so basically there was there's a flock of the rhinos they kind of keep track of the rhinos they want to just make sure how many there are that people aren't hunting them and they sort of keep track of them anyway there was a rhino I believe they they have trackers on them and the rhino got lost and right so this conservationist he's a really great pilot you know he flies on his own all the time anyway so he's flying and looking for this rhino um and he sort of gets the feeling that the rhino's gone somewhere else like he just knows the 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 jungle so well not the jungle but the desert really really well um Mm. and he just has a feeling so he kind of goes off course um to where his other conservationist buddies think he's going and Mm -hmm. he spots the rhino which is great but then he tries to make a landing and something goes terribly wrong. And I can't remember what the mechanical reasons are, but he crashes his helicopter or his, his little mm-hmm. tiny little plane that looks quite terrifying, to be frank. And um, he crashes his plane. Yeah. He then wakes up alive, but he's got fuel dripping on his head. And he's like, oh, my Ooh. God, I need to get out of here immediately. Otherwise, it could explode. Yeah. So... He tries to get out, but on impact, he's broken both of his legs and his hips and stuff, like he's broken heaps of bones. So he has to literally hoist and crawl out of this tiny plane to get away as fast as he can from the dripping fuel.
1: I'm having Grey's Anatomy PTSD right now. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And this poor bastard, (gasps) he couldn't have had so many things go wrong for him, so he crawls out. And the fuel's still dripping, he gets out, it hasn't exploded and he starts oh. crawling and crawling away but then he's like, and he's in so much pain but then he's like, oh, but I need to go back and get the radio otherwise I'm going to die out here. And all it would take wow. is like it's so hot in that jungle that, you know, going He'd without quickly. water. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't go really a couple of days without water in those conditions. So he – shuffles back to the plane grabs the radio it's not working of course so Uh, he's like okay screw it I'm just gonna have to get away as fast as I can and he and he goes back and shuffles to this tree so he can hoist himself up because he is just in such bad shape he would just be lying down on the ground otherwise so he gets to a tree and he sort of like hoists himself up it takes all of his energy he's in so much pain and he leans back against the tree and then he goes ah and it's literally like a stabbing tree it's like got these <gasps> humongous spikes so he's just impaled himself on a freaking like stabbing tree <laughs> oh, oh, no. poor guy. he's got nowhere else to go so he just stays there on the stabbing tree <laughs> And because um, there's nowhere else to go, it's literally like he's got nothing around him and he's and he's in such bad shape. He can't walk anywhere. And
1: this tree is probably giving him a bit of much needed shade to shelter from the conditions. Oh, no, it's
0: like a twig. It's a twig. <laughs> it's a twig, Grace. There ain't no shade for this poor guy. He's not got any shade.
1: He's getting... Surely lying on the ground was better then,
0: than no, standing then it's up on and just and his stabbed. It's just on his face. So the other thing is his legs are so broken and so swollen that it's killing him. And he needs to unt- untie his shoes, so the only thing he can't reach his shoes because he is in such bad shape, and he it, can't bend. He his legs literally can't, and, stuff, yeah. and he can't bend his torso far enough to get to his laces. Um, mm-hmm. So he finds a stick, and he literally unties his shoelaces with a stick, and it takes wow. all of his energy, and he's you know screaming in pain. And then he finally undo- does his laces and he's like, "Ugh!" and he passes out from the pain. And then he comes yeah. to and it's So split. why do you have to take his shoes off? Cause his, because his legs were and his feet. Like so swollen that they So much like that they could have like.
1: Cutting off the blood flow to yeah, his feet.
0: It's, it's kind of it felt like they were going to explode. Like that's how tight they were. But then wow. it gets tighter again and he has to take his shoes off. So he has to literally use the stick and shove his shoes off, but it hurts so much that again, he passes out from the pain to take both of his shoes off. Wow. But to do this, he's like, I know this is going to hurt so much because it hurts so much just to untie my laces. So he looks around and he gets a stick to put in his mouth to bite down on so that he. Let me guess stabbing stick in his mouth (laughs) not quite grace however (laughs) it's much worse (laughs) so he bites down on this random stick to get the shoe off and it crumbles immediately and termites spill out all over Ah! his face and crawl over his body (laughs) oh my god it was just like oh my god you poor bugger and then they run oh, away. Yeah, disgusting. He gets bitten, whatever. He passes out again. Anyway, so then oh he's like, God. right, I'm still here, <laughs> stranded. And it's he's getting so sunburnt. He's like, the plane hasn't exploded. The fuel's dripped out. It's no longer a danger. So he decides that he needs to crawl back to the plane so he can lay mm-hmm. under the plane because that's his only source of shade. So he crawls back to the plane.
1: I'm his, nervous.
0: On his stomach, and he lays under the under the plane, and just it kind explodes. of waits. No, it doesn't explode. So then okay. he's just waiting there. He's just waiting there. He's chilling. He's you know he's done pretty well. He's pretty proud of himself. Like solid effort, you know. And okay. <laughs> it's like, what else could happen to this poor man? Then as dusk comes, he hears hyenas.
1: Oh no. <laughs> Again, brain anatomy, PTSD,
0: literally, and um, he literally knows that the only way is to let them get close because he's again, he's you know really good at just knowing animal behaviour. So that's right, that's his job. He just knows that they have to get close enough so that they get frightened by a loud noise. Because otherwise, mm. if he makes a loud noise and they're too far away, they won't get spooked. Yeah. So he has to literally wait, and he is just a sitting duck under his plane. He cannot move his legs. He can barely move his torso. You know. Wow. So he's got just his some other stick that he's got, or like a piece of metal or something, and he can hear the animals getting closer, mm. and then he just goes ding 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 like like knocks on the plane as loud as he possibly can as they get getting really close, and lucky for him. They run away, run away. Mm. So then he's like, oh, thank God, thank God. And he goes to sleep for a bit. But then Mm. he's awoken again by another noise. This time it's an elephant stampede. No. (laughs) Yes. I shit you not. And he's literally like, I'm going to be trampled to death because they're coming this way. Like they were coming for him. He was literally. And he like, could tell the sound of an elephant stampede because that's his job. Well, I don't think you'd have to be an expert to know what an elephant stampede sounds like. It sounds pretty loud, and, <laughs> mm. and they're coming his way. And for you know, usually um, elephant behaviour, they walk pretty straight. They follow the leader. They just they're, they're yeah. kind of going for it, for some unknown reason. To, nothing to do with him he's just like I've. that's just the end of there's nothing to protect myself from this and mm. they just walk the other way for some reason wow. they just walk sideways or miss the plane by just a fraction you know and he's just missed being trampled to death he's so lucky and then pretty much the next day he survives another day and mm. he passes out from dehydration and everything he's in really bad shape at this point and I'm pretty sure he has another like almost encounter with a lion or something like that or a oh my god he's just the luckiest man and um eventually his uh comrades back at base are looking for him and they actually do find him so he gets out of there um and he's had um some serious recovery from this incident yeah he spent years in physical therapy and stuff but he's still you know doing conservation work and yeah, all around good guy, you know? George of the Jungle. Christ. But um how lucky. I just his he, he was so hard to watch. It was just like lucky come on. Or
1: very unlucky. Well, extremely unlucky, but most people would not have survived that. I think the worst part of the whole thing was the termites in his mouth. Oh, that's the part that I remember. Oh.
0: Yeah, the termites and the stabbing tree. It's just like you and poor. The stabbing me. tree. It's hilarious. It's <laughs> the only reason he could, like needed to get up on the tree was to try and reach his shoelaces with the stick as well, like just the poor guy. Right.
1: Oh, so that was the jaws of death. <laughs> oh my god. Now I get the name. He was at the jaws of death. He and was it's like.
0: Yeah. Metaphorically
1: and literally. Yeah. So the next
0: one, we're going to wander over into the ocean.
1: Excellent. I've been waiting for this. Yes.
0: (laughs) So ocean ones are my favorite ones. Um, This particular one, I have to preface that I was watching it with my friend Candice, who we've spoken about on the pod before. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a reason... <laughs> that I'm telling you, I'm watching it with her because something she told me was very, very funny. So it starts a family are going on a yacht trip for like three months or something. They're going sailing. Um, they've got this kind of nice yacht. Um, it's pretty like decked out. There's three girls and a sixteen-year-old teenage boy mum and dad, and they're Mm -hmm. going on, a, I think, a three-month trip to like Australia or something. I I feel like in a lot of these shows a lot of people are sailing to Australia. I don't know why, (laughs) but they just always seem to be. Anyway, so they're a few weeks into their trip. They're um, having a nice dinner under the uh, bunker there and they just suddenly hear this huge crash and they have no idea what the hell it could be. It's so, so loud. Their yacht is fairly sturdy as well. So it's just like, what the hell could this be? Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of the ocean, you know, and it's not that cold. You know, there's not really a threat of icebergs if anyone's, you know, thinking, you know, has have they not watched the Titanic, um, <laughs> you know, because fair question. Um, and so, yeah, there's just not that much of a risk of icebergs in this area. And it's just completely random he's like we're not near any islands you know they've charted their trip and everything anyway huge bump the electricity goes out in the yacht and it's it's just got this huge gash in the side of the yacht starts filling up with water
1: so very very quickly
0: um dad goes straight to the radio to try and radio out but the water has already kind of damaged the radio then they go to the second option which is their like mayday beacon or whatever and they he gives it to the mum while he's trying to like do some other stuff he's like call for help and she knows how to work the system but she's so terrified she's shaking and she drops it in the water in the yacht no. that because it's already filled with water inside and um But then they have a third backup. So these guys are like pretty prepared. So prepared. So prepared. And it's an old fashioned one that you pretty much have to wind up to make it work. Um, And they Mm. just keep that one dry and they just protect it as if it's like, you
1: know, just it's their last option. But it's not as advanced. I must say, like, it doesn't seem exactly logical that. Uh, survival devices for an ocean-based thing like a yacht are so sensitive. Are not to water. waterproof.
0: Uh, that's like, exactly that is what the I situation. said. Situation
1: you need to use them in. That's exactly
0: what I said. I was like, "What the hell is if they're not like more waterproof than that?" But look, who knows? I guess because it was in the cabin,
1: like you don't think. Yeah, but but then again- if you need to use those devices, you're in trouble, and you're probably.
0: Yeah, or it's or including it's including water. Including water, including a massive disaster or you've been flipped, the boat's been flipped and you need exactly. to get your device like look, definitely a flaw in that system. So, yeah. it's no longer working and they and their only option is the old-fashioned one, but the only thing that it does is it transmits a signal up directly, but it's only if planes are flying over that area that they can actually pick up the mayday. Yeah. So they all go to the top of the yacht because everything's filling with water. There's like crashing and stuff. And what happens, what's happened is the boat has gotten stuck on a submerged coral reef.
1: I was thinking coral.
0: Yeah. So it's a coral reef. It was just below the surface and it's, you know, kind of bad conditions. It's, you know, really, really wavy and rough and they're all sitting on top and, You know, the sale of the thing is going nuts and so they're trying to um, move the, what do they call it, the mast. Mm -hmm. And as they're moving the mast, falls on dad's leg.
1: No. And dad gets
0: trapped under the mast.
1: And it's horrible.
0: And then mum and the kids are, and they're like little girls as well, like pretty young. That's really scary and sad. Terrifying. And so they're sitting on top, and they're stranded, and they're terrified, and they're just trying to stay dry. And um, they're on this coral reef, so they're not sinking. Um, yeah, okay. So that's the difference. But the rap- that's a plus. Well, the rapid waves of the conditions are still um, detrimental to the boat, so the boat mm-hmm. is still kind of slowly breaking away because it's semi it's yeah. semi submerged, and obviously the tides as the tides change it becomes more and more and less submerged as kind of it goes on. So, okay. it continues. Dad's trapped under mm. the mast and then the 16-year-old kid who's like really didn't want to go on the yacht trip, who's kind of a bit of a brat, is just kind of like, "Oh, you know, and he just steps up and he's like, "Oh my god." And he just figures out some kind of tourniquet I have to be the man of the boat yeah pretty much he just totally steps up and he's just like oh my god I have to t- do a tourniquet around my dad's leg and he finds Aww. this thing to like turn it and cut off the blood supply and um that prevents his dad from bleeding out because otherwise he would have just died right there wow good job so then his dad is stuck there for two hours um, the mum mm. and the girls and are all just kind of sitting there. They're trying to figure out how to get the mast off, but it is so heavy. It's it's like moving, you know, two cars. Like it's Is this so- daytime or
1: nighttime?
0: Nighttime, nighttime, mm. of course. And um, there's a lifeboat on the raft on on the on the yacht, but it's like stuck under all the ropes because the boat has been tossed around and it's been kind of flailing around and it's tangled under all the ropes and mm. as I was watching this with Candice we're both screaming at this at the tv like why is your device not waterproof and like why is your lifeboat tangled under all that stuff and it's like yeah I'm like why don't you just try and untangle it and then she you know obviously says to me they probably tried to untangle it I was like yeah you're probably right they just like, didn't show that because that was boring <laughs> yeah they just didn't show that but then eventually they do show that it is so tightly bound it's almost like when you get like a a bad knot or something but it's like wedged against something and you just you've got no you need to kind of saw it out yeah pretty much and um so they just can't get it out so they pretty much just have to just sit there like sitting ducks and then they see a light in the distance and they're like oh my god it's a ship it's a ship it's a ship they throw off their flare they only have one flare (gasps) oh I'm scared yep and then they're like, yes, yes, yes. And they have like immediate, you know, ray of hope. And they realize it's the moon. It's not a ship. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> I know. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> it's the moon. It's
1: not a ship. Was it sauce. just really cloudy the rest of the night? <sighs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it well, it was actually incredibly clear, but the moon had come up over the horizon like it kind of and it's obviously the sea, so you just think it's a, br- right. a bright light. You're also terrified and you're in survival mode, so sometimes people see things, you know, and you know cuz you yeah. just want the hope. And um but oftentimes I've seen loads of survival shows now and every time they let off a flare, nobody sees them. The story continues. Dad's trapped under the mast. Kids and mum are sitting and the boat is just slowly tearing apart. So they have to make a decision. Um, And before this, but just before this, there's a massive wave and it lifts Uh. the mast up just slightly, just enough to pull dad out of from under the mast. So that's good. So they put him up against the side of the yacht, um, but... It's slowly deteriorating and then they they know that there's going to be a certain period of time that Mm -hmm. the boat is just not going to exist. So -hmm. they have to make a decision. They have to go to another piece of the coral reef that has, now that the tide has lowered or whatever, um, that they can get to it. And so they have to go over there, but to get there, they have to walk across the coral, which is literally like as the sharp, as the uh, um, narrator was saying, like walking on kind of yeah glass, like just so sharp and stabby, and they have to do it several times because the little girls are so so young. Um, they need to carry them. They yeah. need to go back and forth a few times, and they just know that there's no way to get dad across.
1: Aww.
0: So they're sitting on the cor on the piece of unsubmerged coral, just looking at their dad. <laughs> Oh. oh, my God, it is, like, the saddest thing. And it was at this point that Candace interjects with her comment. She's screaming at the television and she says, oh, just get in the ocean and end it. She's like, you're never going to survive mm. the trauma anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say oh there God. are some people on these shows that totally have a different survival instinct. Like there was another guy who fell out of a helicopter, like he was a skydiver but went wrong, he jumped out, fell in an ocean that's infested with sharks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not ten minutes is he in there before he starts flapping around and trying to get eaten by a shark because he just doesn't want to wait there. With the, yeah. with the um, you know, the possibility of being eaten by a shark,
1: he'd rather die. Yeah, I have friends with that opinion. They're yeah. like, if I was in a horror movie, five minutes, five minutes, decide to kill myself. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's so interesting, <laughs> like, um... people's level of threshold. And um, anyway, so there's a positive ending to this yacht story. Oh, thank and God. Thank- yeah well, they're all really positive. sad. They're all positive because... Because they all survived. They all survived. Yeah. yeah, that's the good part about the show. And um, so what happens is they're looking at their dad and it's so sad and they just can't deal with it. So son and mum are like, No, we're getting him across. So they go back. They leave the girls on the rock, and they're like, "We're getting this stupid boat out so we can float Dad across." Yeah, and like superhuman whatever, they just figure it out. You know, it takes about an hour, but they get the lifeboat out and they keep Dad in the lifeboat. And then they're just sitting on the rock, and Dad is just in such a such bad shape. You know, he hasn't got long left. And mm-hmm. um, it's already morning by this point and they're still waiting. They haven't heard anything. And then finally they hear some helicopters circling and they're shouting out and then the planes always fly away, which is the sad yeah. part about the rescues. And the planes fly away. But then, of course, because they can't land anywhere, they then have sent a boat out to go get them. Right. So I think that I think that's how it ended and they get dad and everyone survived and dad lost his leg. Um, but he's just like, mm. literally don't even care. <laughs> it was just like, I just can't believe what my son did that day for everybody. And he saved all of our lives. Like, you know, he was just an absolutely incredible and, you know, brought them all closer. You didn't
1: save your leg, dad. Didn't what save a shit the legs. Yeah, baby, save the life. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's back to Grace Anatomy and the resentment.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: So they are my favourite stories, and um, I could, uh, if people liked this episode, um, I'm happy to do another one with another several stories.
1: <laughs> this could be a regular segment. Yeah, this could the be a regular. I'm willing to die on, and the ocean, I refuse to die in. <laughs> <laughs> just a survival story once a week just a survival story Plus, every week yeah i enjoyed that too good Very good i'm glad I, mean, I don't want to watch it it was also terrifying i much preferred your hilarious rendition <laughs> of it
0: it's so good grace like i'm really sad because i've watched all of the boat ones now and i haven't got any boat ones left so now are I- they still making it oh, i don't think so I think it's done, Mm. but there's very similar shows on TV as well. There's another one called I Survived. Um, There's another one called Survival. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you know, a general theme, a general array of um, corny titles, but really cool stories.
1: Okay. Well, might have to check it out. But yeah, no, (laughs) thank you.
0: You are most welcome.
1: (laughs) Speaking of uh, not surviving, it's time for the hill we're willing to die on. could <laughs> <laughs> music. so i'm finally going back into the office sung. again they after over a year at home and there's a lot to like about being back in the office including <laughs> uh wearing fun outfits seeing people yeah. Having to get out and do something. Doing something is fun. Um, Yeah. Yep. But the public transport, like, I'm not loving, and the hill I'm willing to die on is people who don't use headphones on public transport, that should be finable, and the ticket inspectors should be, like, patrolling for that because people that are, like, just talking on FaceTime or playing YouTube videos what do they think they're doing? I don't know. How can they be so rude?
0: I've never thought it was appropriate. Every time I see people doing that, I think they must be just hooligans or like drunk. Like that's the only, that's the only excuse that I will accept.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But this is like commuter peak hour and it's prevalent. Like, All of the times I've been on the train, someone's doing it. Like talking really loudly on FaceTime is one that really gets me because it's just like the tinny echoey sound of someone else's phone call. It's like put a headphone on, love. Do they have
0: no shame? Like I'm totally embarrassed speaking on the phone where someone can hear the other person's end of that phone call. Like I hate talking on the phone in a public place at the best of times on a train because you feel rude. But at least if I'm talking on the phone, I can be quiet and I can just – Listen in my headphones and just say yes or no. If somebody's like telling me something, I can be like, "Yep, yep, yep." And then when I get off the train, I can like,
1: you know, elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Yeah. But even just like the games with loud haptics and loud dings, it's like, oh, so rude. I hate you. You suck. Get some headphones. Hundred percent. I wonder because I haven't called public transport
0: for ages because country, mm. but um what's the deal with people being annoying and pushy? Because I guess people can't touch anyone anymore. So, you know, when you're on like That's used true. to be on the train and, um you know, when it was like about to be someone's stop and they'd be like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. excuse me And they'd like get to the front and you're like, I'm getting off as well. And yeah. like, I'd literally say to people, oh, I'm getting off as well. And they're like, Haha, excuse me. And I'm like, I'm also getting off. So like, you don't need to push in front of me. Like, I'm also getting off.
1: That one is so (laughs) true as well.
0: (laughs) Like, I hate that so much. And I'm hoping that as a result of COVID that people are going to be less pushy like that. But they're probably going to be more because they're probably more anxious to get to the front so that they don't miss their stop. (laughs) Mm,
1: The trains are definitely emptier. Um, So I think, yeah, no, I think most of the behavior has been respectful apart from the headphone issue.
0: I just, yeah, don't get it. They are they, need to are find they normal it. people? Like, unless you're drunk yeah. or a hooligan, you've got no excuse. <laughs> they seem <laughs> fairly rude. normal.
1: It's more just like becoming culturally acceptable in behaviour. Is
0: that just because say. there's not been many people on trains and they've just lost respect and manners? I like, think so, maybe, yeah. Possibly. Yep, right there on that hill with you, babe. hmm Thank you. So my hill is That is the opposite to your hill a little while ago, um, which is that you loved short TV series as in not many episodes. (laughs) Mm.
1: To clarify, I didn't say I loved short TV series, but I said I hated too long TV series just to be really specific. Yeah. I like a happy medium.
0: I just don't understand. Like we binge everything now. So why do we get such short amounts of
1: shows? Like Quality, we, not quantity.
0: Yeah, but when we used to get like 22 episodes of something, yes, they drag, drag out, dragged out some storylines sometimes. But now if I love a TV show, it ends so quickly. Even 10 episodes for me is too short, but I respect 10 episodes because I get a chance to get into it, I get a chance to like it and then come home and watch it every night for at least a week before I finished it. You know, mm. whereas...
1: Ten's you know, a good zone. I agree with you. Ten's a good zone.
0: But six, like I've watched some with six and four,
1: and I'm like, this is not enough. This is I just think not six enough. Six or a four would have to be a mini series. And it's I think not it's a like special. They just call
0: themselves a series, and it mm. pees me off. So that's my hill. Short and sweet. Make longer shows. We all binge, and we all have nothing good to watch. Nobody watches free to air anymore, apart from maps, and you know. We just mm-hmm. we need like if you like a show, you don't want it to be over. Do you know what I mean? Like you want it to keep mm-hmm. going
1: I yeah, no, I'm not quite with you because I would prefer like short and very good episodes, and I'll watch it twice. I'll start again, hmm, okay. rather than just like a lot of filler,
0: yeah. I guess, but I don't know. It just, it makes me really sad when I really love a show and it ends and it makes me even angrier if there's only six episodes, you know, six to Mm. eight. I think it needs to be, if you're going to call yourself a series, it needs to be 10 minimum. Mm. Minimum. 10's a good zone. 10's a good zone. 22 to 24 on on Grey's Anatomy, probably too many. But, you know, I think, you know, 13 to 15, 16 episodes a season would be perfect.
1: Mm, ten's a good sign. <laughs> 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 all right, well, I guess we're just not gonna agree
0: on that one. It's <laughs> <That's> all right. <laughs> but I suppose we're not do we're not watching sitcoms anymore either. Like if you broke up some of our episodes of shows that we loved into twenty minute segments, you probably would get thirteen episodes. But they just make really long it's like the Comey rule. There was two episodes, and yes, I know they called themselves a miniseries, but they were an hour and a half each. I was like, why didn't you just make a ten-part series? You know, why did it have to be two mm. movie-length episodes? Like, you know, they were an hour and a half mm. and two hours. It was like you could have just put that in a series, and it would have been brilliant. That's Dunno. interesting. To know hmm. why? Why? Interesting.
1: Yeah. Anyway, well, we have twelve episodes in our series. <laughs> So That's right. We're in medium. the good zone. It's great. That's
0: it's right. <laughs> All right. Well, what are we recommending this week?
1: So my recommendation this week—it's not quite a recommendation. It's also not an anti-recommendation. It's kind of in the middle. So I'm calling it a recommendation. dation. <laughs> <laughs> eh, didn't hate it didn't love it um <laughs> <recommendation>. <laughs> yeah Grace, that Trademarked is possibly
0: task. the best thing that you have ever coined, like oh, ever, in your whole <laughs> life. Like, that's going on your tombstone, like that's Thank going you. in your wedding speech, that's going everywhere.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you're here for it. So my recommendation is The Dig. Um, it has... Kerry Mulligan, who obviously we are obsessed with from Promising Young yes. Woman. I
0: watched the trailer for that and I was like, mm, yeah. looks really
1: sad. Don't know if I can do <laughs> Carrie
0: Mulligan in something sad.
1: <laughs> no, it's not her best work. So, But, like, it's also kind of a cool concept that I was, like, intrigued by, and it's a true story set in World War II, but it's not about World War II. It's about someone finds, like, a Tudor pirate ship or Saxon, or something, in their backyard. And then and it's them. about them digging it out. Okay. <laughs> so it's like archaeology, but that is about it. But then again, like, it has its moments. Like, it wasn't the worst movie I've seen, but I'm also not going to gush about it. So, yeah, it's just <laughs> something I watched.
0: Meh. <laughs> <Wow>. yeah, meh. <laughs> that is... Supremely underwhelming, Grace. Like, yeah, I don't know why much. anybody would watch this film after that. <laughs>
1: like, yes. straight down what, the middle.
0: <laughs> if I was Carrie Mulligan, I would be like, shit, Promising Young Woman and then The Dig. Like, that is a stark contrast to, yeah, the, um, riveting feedback. <laughs> that
1: I wonder she got which for one that. she recorded first, just because COVID's kind of stuffed things coming yeah. out. Yeah, so I don't well, know if I this would, one went straight Promising to next. Promising Young Woman's
0: been filmed for like over a year, but they. Was so slow with the release.
1: So potentially she did the dig first. Mm. I mean, she's got a lot of movies mm. like up her sleeve. So it's not like I don't think this will like be a smear or anything. Like also fun will, fact, will, you know, mm-hmm. we need
0: to discuss that Carrie, Carrie Mulligan is married to the one and only Marcus Mumford from Mumford yes! and Sons.
1: I did know that because i was listening to an
0: interview with her leading up to promising young woman and they talk about her beautiful husband and everything and like she talks about her kids and everything literally not one time did they mention that it was marcus mumford and i just you know just out of curiosity like a month or so later i was like who is she married to i wonder who she's married to because i was just visualizing their farm because they have like a cute little cottage farm in the country again goals adorable adorable and what it was Marcus called? Mumford and I was like, she stole my husband. Like <laughs> just love him so much. Anyway.
1: So great tangent. Great tangent. What about
0: you? I'm recommending a fantastic show on Netflix. It's called Behind Her Eyes. Have you mm. seen the trailer?
1: No, I actually don't really know anything about it. You told me it's brilliant, oh, but you God. kind of do say everything's brilliant. So,
0: oh uh, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's all I've heard. I'm right about most things. Um. Yeah, <laughs> so, you just though are a prolific
1: lover of TV as well. That's right. So. I'm a
0: prolific lover or hater. Like it's it's yes. one or the other.
1: Prolific consumer. It's
0: either on Netflix or Stan. Can't remember. Sorry, but everyone should have both. So, mm-hmm. um, it's really random and it's a thriller I suppose um a psychological thriller kind of the name sounds thrilling very bizarre when you watch the trailer it's like what I don't get it um it's kind of about how it starts anyway is about a woman who is divorced single mum And she is going out for the first time, sleeps with a guy. This is all in like the very first start of episode one, by the way. So no spoilers. Okay. Um, She sleeps with a guy and then starts a new job the next day or starts her job the next day. And it just so happens to be her brand new boss that she slept with. That's classic. And actually she didn't sleep with him. Sorry. She just like went on a date with him and kissed him. Um, And he's her new boss and awkward because he's married. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then you kind of learn about his wife and obviously they have an attraction and you know you can probably guess the rest affair begins and all I can say is that that is not the main plot (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it is so bizarre where the story goes and I so didn't see the twists that happen at the end and stuff like really Mm. really good and it kind of does venture a little bit and I say this with please don't turn it off immediately a little bit of um I don't know what the word is but kind of I guess sci-fi a little bit um there are some elements of that that come into it or supernatural or there is a word for it I can't astro something or other Can't remember the word for it. But anyway, there is like a little bit of woo-woo to it, Mm -hmm. but it is so thrilling and so good. I actually really thoroughly enjoyed it and I usually hate when shows inject that into like what would be quite a Mm. believable story. Um, Mm -hmm. But in this case, I just thought it was brilliant and we totally need to talk Mm. about it and I can't wait to watch it for a second time. Because I think there's only like six or eight episodes, or seven. I think there's seven episodes.
1: Oh, okay. You've got me intrigued now that you mentioned there's. Only episodes. <laughs> I was like so pissed off when it ended. I was you like, just, No, yeah.
0: I need more. I need more.
1: <laughs> like, but you still loved it. Okay, loved it sounds it. really scary, but if it's only short, not scary. Maybe can do it's it. not
0: scary. It's just really weird. It can be okay. scary at times, but it's not like jump scare. It's just psychologically weird. Yeah. Oh, it does sound creepy. It's freaking know. brilliant. You'll be sucked in and watch it. Yeah. Show everybody, tell everyone about it. Listeners, listen to it and watch it. And
1: we will be talking about it next season. Fine. Okay. Thanks. But um, <laughs> on the topic of what you just mentioned in that synopsis of like someone's married, someone has an affair, <laughs> it reminds me of a whole bunch of Australians who get quotation marks married Mm. on tv and then put into these stressful stupid situations to supposedly strengthen their bond (laughs) and it's like also a psychological thriller drama probably definitely elements of it psychologically damaging and for those who haven't figured it out by now i'm talking about married at first sight also known as MAFS, <laughs> which we've been signaling for a few episodes now that we're going to be covering so next week for our season finale it's happening it's so it's happening i would call it a extravaganza. <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing that's going on your tombstone I don't that's think amazing. that's
0: as good as your recommendation <laughs> no, I love
1: this too look I am as shocked as you are dear listeners that I'm watching maths like who knew um I have a lot of feelings about it and I think it's gonna be a really interesting conversation hmm mm. it's kind of going to be I think
0: you know We're not there yet, so I guess we'll see what happens when we record, but I think we're going to be separating the light and dark. So it'll still be Trash and Treasury. Um, If you haven't seen Maths, that's okay. We'll recap the main storylines for you. If you have watched it, um, I think you'll definitely be interested to hear some of our takes. But definitely we'll be focusing on some of the hilarity and then also some of the really um, important topics that have uh, been sparked out of this show like
1: I think yeah there's been a lot
0: of really interesting talking points so I think
1: that's right and one. that's what I'd say to anyone who's like ugh, maths it's like okay but pop culture is a way that um we talk about political conversations come to light and can be talked about so there, especially for the treasury part of next week there'll actually be a lot of um serious and important points discussed absolutely through the mechanism of maths (laughs) that's right that's right
0: and I absolutely cannot wait I finally get to talk about maths on the pod
1: (laughs) just (laughs)
0: dying (laughs) and I so I'm so excited that um you've been forced to watch it and that you secretly love it so um
1: (laughs) yeah I know I'm shocked I'm shocked but join us for our season three finale math extravaganza next week (laughs) See you next week, everyone.
0: Just a reminder that we are savvy individuals and not experts. If you need some real advice, please contact someone who knows.
1: Trash and Treasury is produced, authorised and sponsored by us because we did it ourselves. (laughs) (laughs)